0: Anyone grateful to be alive today? Come on. So good. So glad you're here. And uh, for those of you joining us live online, we're so glad that you're joining us. And also just want to give a shout out to everyone in the room whose heart language is Espanol, is Spanish. Uh, We're so glad that you are here. If you didn't know, that's what we do. It's being translated. There's earpieces that you can pick up. And so if you know someone whose heart language is Spanish, 1115 here at Miles City, it's just you. And so we're so glad that you are here. Uh, I know you're comfortable, but I'm going to ask you to stand. So everyone, I need you to stand up. Come on, come on, come on. And I want to do, since we're in our Truth and Dare series, I thought I'd put us all through a little dare test. So what's going to happen is I'm going to ask you, if someone dared you today to do this thing, would you do it? And if you're in, then you stay standing. If you're going to tap out, then you can go ahead and sit. Or if you're like, I don't want to play this game, then after the first question, just sit down. It's fine. It's up to you. Okay. All right, if someone dared you today to get on a bowl and ride that thing, would you do it? Wow, look at y'all dropping like flies. Okay, way to go. Okay, okay. (laughs) I see Madison over there. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. All right, next one. What about this one? Tarantula on the face. Okay, you guys are getting crazy, okay? All right, Mateo, look at you, all right. All right, come on, what about this one? Swimming with the sharks. First of all, this has to be Photoshopped or these parents need to go to jail, okay? <laughs> this, this kid's foot is gone, okay? Okay, all right, what about, okay, what about this one, right here, here we go. Tank of snakes. Wow, look at you guys. Mateo's dropping. Okay. Selena, all right, come on, bring out the snakes. Come on. Just kidding. We're not that kind of church. We're not that kind of church. All right. What about this one? Stuck in a cage with lions swarming you. Wow, you guys, wow, you guys are pretty strong. Very, no fear. Okay, now just imagine, just imagine... The cage got a little bigger, and there's a few of these lions that are going to go in the cage with you, and they're hungry. They're hungry. They don't know you. <laughs> All right, sit down. Way to go. Give a, you guys are strong people. You can give them a round of applause. It's fine did all that because today we are talking, we're we're coming up here in our Daniel series on one of the most historical, famous events that has taken place in history, and that is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And we are going to see a man's faith stretched and intensified, and it's it's incredible, And, and, and here's our hope. Our hope is that we're going to see some tools here. We're going to get some tips from Daniel to help us all increase our faith in different areas of our lives. And whether you're a Jesus follower or not in the room, which if you're not, I hope you will before you leave here today, uh, all of us can grab onto these tips and they're helpful for us because not only will it help make our life more satisfying. It will actually help those lives that are around us in our sphere of influence be more satisfying. I didn't say your life would be easier, but it will be more satisfying and better if you lean into some of these tools of increasing your faith. And so that's our goal for today. But before we dive into the lion's den, not literally, but um, you know, symbolically here, uh, we'll go ahead and just pray and set our hearts. So God, thank you for getting us here. Thank you for all the wins that we just experienced of baptisms and child dedication. And just so, so cool to see this, our, 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 church family. It definitely takes a village. Uh, God, your word is powerful and it sharpens us. God. So help us to be humble enough to let it sharpen us, um, to see where we need to shift some in some areas in our, in our lives. Uh, control my pace as I speak as always, and I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. And we all said, amen. amen, amen. Thank you, Devin, thank you. Okay, so if you have a copy of the scriptures or the journal, we've been talking a lot about the journal. If you don't have one of our Daniel journals that we've got, we've still got a few of them. Just have something to write with, or grab your phone and, and, and write it down, because I'm telling you, when you mark it up, it helps mark your life up. It'll have a longer-lasting deal And even if it's just a couple words or a couple sentences, you'll go back a year from now and you'll be like, wow, wow, wow. And so I encourage you to do it. So Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1, here we go. It says this, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, verse 2, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer. No loss. So, one of the things just to catch you up, when you go from chapter five to today, chapter six, we're seeing a shift in power. We're going from the Babylonian Empire to now the Medo Persian Empire, modern day Iraq. And uh, we see this shift in power, just like Nebuchadnezzar's dream predicted. That prophecy is now history, even in the time of Daniel. He saw that unfold, that dream get predicted. And so, Daniel has been in exile for 70 years. He's no longer a teenager. This guy is most likely in his 80s, between 80 to 85 years old. And he's experienced six different kings, six different rulers, all the ups and all the downs. And there's Daniel, still faithful Daniel through it all, which made me pause and step back and remind myself and to think about this important thing when it comes to being faithful is to be faithful in age. If you're taking notes, write that down. To be faithful in age. And uh, I want to talk to all you seniors in the room today, Uh, even those of you watching online. Now, you define what senior is. I'm not going to get in trouble and tell you what a senior is, okay? You define. But listen, seniors, don't stop. Don't sit on the bench. We need you more than ever. Our world needs you More than ever, all of your victories, all your defeats, everything that you've learned, you need to keep pouring in into the next generation. We need you. Uh, I know you're getting old. I I know you feel like you're getting old. I know it's time for the next generation to shine. You're right, it is. But it's time for you to shine by leading through the next generation. God is not done with you. I think of so many different examples, but here's a few. Thomas Edison was 90 years old. He was still inventing. Michelangelo was 89 when he painted his best painting. Billy Graham, 95 years old, was still writing another book. And is Ruth Cole in the room? She's going to get mad at me. There's Ruth over there. I'm not going to ask how old you are, okay? I know, but I'm not going to say it. But Ruth, every week, volunteers, comes up in our office, week after week, and just helping with administrative things here at at the church, and just still wanting to use her gifts to invest to build the kingdom of God, not sitting on the bench. And this isn't like a guilt trip. I'm just trying to say, please, we need you. Because sometimes you think, like, we don't need you. We need you. And maybe you've tried, but it didn't work. Well, let's try again, and let's help you here, whether it's in the church or outside the church walls. Keep investing in the next generation faithful in age be faithful even in your age he continues then this daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him re- re- just remember that an excellent spirit was in him underline that and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom and so there's three administrators who are managing 120 leaders And Daniel was one of them, and he was so good at what he was doing that the the emperor Darius, King Darius, literally wanted to set him above all the other administrators, which, by the way, we'll see, made the other administrators jealous and frustrated, and the envy in them grew, which is another great reminder. When you have success, don't be surprised. People will come after you. They will be jealous. They will do things to you to try to harm you and to try to hurt you. So don't be surprised when success comes in your life how some people just can't handle it. But it's also a great reminder that when we have people around us who have success, for us to not get jealous or to get envious and to celebrate the success that has happened to them. But notice again, Daniel, I mean exiled for 70 years from one ruler to the next ruler. I mean, they changed his name. They castrated him, for crying out loud. This guy's been through the ringer and through all the different emperors and all the ups and all the downs. Here we see him being faithful, not only in age, but faithful in his work. He had an excellent spirit coming out of him. That was the Holy Spirit coming out of his life, reminding us that we need to be faithful in our work. To have a grateful spirit when we're working. Here's a question When was the last time you just thanked your boss for having a job? Now, all the Miles City stuff, this isn't me trying to get you to say thank you, yeah, Justin. You're welcome, you're welcome, no. But seriously, okay, here's another way. When you think about your complaint radar on a scale from one to 10, where are you these days? <laughs> when it's like you're in the break room, or you're driving home, and you're talking to another colleague about this and this and this, and you're whining, 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 complaining, complaining, complaining. Listen, this is just a, a reminder for all of us that when we whine and complain in our work environments, you lose credibility. And actually, no one wants to really be around you. Newsflash. They don't. When you whine and complain about your work, or this isn't happening, or this isn't happen, it's just you lose your credibility. Here's another way I like to say it like this. Be dependable professionally so that people will want to depend on you spiritually. Come on, Jesus follower in the room. If you're a Jesus follower in the room, when you get up in the morning and you clock into work on Monday morning, you're working unto the Lord. And people are watching you like hawks. And if you're not dependable professionally, they're not going to want to depend on you for their spiritual questions. This is huge to be a light in our workplace This is a verse that I've always hung on to when I started working as a young kid. Colossians 3, 23, 24. If you don't have this down, write it down and get it in your brain. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what shift you might need to make when it comes to your work. But are you being faithful in your workplace? Let's keep going. Then it says this. Then the high officials... And the satraps, they sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But, check this out, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. That's a pretty sobering question. Think about this right now. If someone did an investigation on you, what would they find? If someone was trying to dig up something on you, what secrets would they find in your closet? That's a question. It's a sobering question and a reminder of the importance of how we need to be consistent and faithful. The next one, to be faithful in character. Oh, the importance and how it affects your life and the lives of those around you, which we'll see later, to be faithful in character. One of my favorite uh, reminders of being faithful in character that I pray on all the time is Psalm 19. I love this. Again, if you don't have this on a regular basis in your life, I encourage you to get this psalm written down somewhere. This is a great one to pray through in your quiet time, daily encounter. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? I got a lot of junk in here. How could I ever know? I can't. There's a lot. Then it says, cleanse me from these hidden faults, the ones that you don't even realize. Would you bring him to the surface, oh God, the things that I don't even know? But then he says, but keep your servant from the deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. I don't know what guilt might be starting to rise to the surface for you, but this is a call out for us to remain faithful in character, which also reminded me of the unfaithfulness of the men that were trying to trap Daniel here. They weren't faithful to character. Instead, they were faithful to evil. They they were thinking of a plan to trap Daniel. Not only did they think about it, but then they put it into action and actually followed through with their evil plan, which then made me want to step back and ask the question, where might we be being faithful to an evil plan? Is there something in your life right now that you are scheming? That is being faithful to something evil. You know, maybe for some of you right now, you've been planning and scheming how you're going to be unfaithful to your spouse, either emotionally or physically this week. You've got it all planned out. Maybe for some of you, you're planning and scheming how next weekend you're going to lose control and get drunk or whatever it is. You've already got it all planned out. You've already got the tickets bought, or whatever it is. You got it all planned. Or maybe it happened this past weekend, and then maybe that's why you're maybe watching online, sobering up. I don't know. Maybe you're planning a, a scheme to not be to not have character when it comes to finances, and you're trying to do something to steal that no one will know. Or maybe you're planning a scheme to uh, to take advantage of someone's purity your purity. Maybe for some of you, you are planning right now when it comes to what you're going to look at on the internet this week, when it comes to pornography, either man or woman. You know when you're going to look at it, you know what you're going to look up, and you know how you're going to hide it and delete everything so no one will know about it but you. You have a plan to be faithful in an evil plan and not be faithful in character. I don't know what that is for you. But if that is—if you know that there's a plan that's been brought to the surface right now, I don't think you're here by accident. This is a wake-up call, like we talked about last week, to shift, to change, to do something about it, to repent and move the other direction before something tragic can happen in your life. I, 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 I want to go back to the, uh, to the pornography thing for just a moment. Listen. If you know that you struggle in that area at all and you do not have any type of software on your devices and you know that you're tempted by it, I just want you to know that if you haven't put anything on your phone or your devices or your computer, you are flat out foolish. In fact, I would literally just say you're an idiot. And I say that because I was an idiot for a lot of years. I thought I didn't need it. I was too prideful. Nah, I'm fine. I don't need that stuff. Listen, the enemy wants to just literally devour you like a lion. And he's looking for just an ounce to just, well, you're one click away. And here's the deal. I know for myself and for my children, if there's devices in my home, I want it protected. I'll, we, I will have de- protection. Covenant eyes is what I use on all of our devices in our home, probably until the day I die. Call me weak or call me wise. Just like the enemy wants to devour me, he wants to distort you and destroy you and distract you. What evil plan are you scheming? Make a shift. Make a turn before it's too late. Then it says this. Let's keep going. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Did you hear this? They couldn't find anything wrong with him except for his faith. What about you? What about me? That's good. Then these high officials and the satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, "O oh, King Darius, live forever. Then they say, All the high officials and all the other important people, all the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. They're manipulating the king by flattering the king. And notice it's all of the powerful rulers except for Daniel, right? Now, O king, establish this injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. It continues. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And then watch this. It says that he got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. As soon as Daniel saw that this decree had been signed, it says that he went to his house and he prayed. And I remember hearing this as a kid growing up in church. And the thing that I would always think is, Daniel, why don't you just shut the stinking windows for heaven's sakes? Like, just shut the windows, dude. You're good to go. Just pray in your head. Just like literally just just pray in your head. Go on vacation for 30 days. You're high in command. You can do what you need to do. Like what in the world are you thinking? But Daniel wasn't going to be shifted by this. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't going to let anyone shift him. He wasn't afraid to pray in public. You think maybe sometimes even us in the room, we can be afraid to even pray at a restaurant in public about what people are going to think. Daniel was facing the lion's den. He didn't care. But also notice this in the scripture. It says how he had previously done, as he had done previously. This wasn't him making a scene. This wasn't him like, okay, I, uh, this is decreased, so I'm going to go out on the street corners and look at me, look at me. No, no, no. This was his rhythm. If you're taking notes, this one got me this week. Ask yourself this question. Write this down. Would your current prayer life get you in trouble if you were Daniel? If you lived around 500 B.C., would the rhythm of your prayer life right now get you in trouble? Are you faithful in prayer? What does your prayer rhythm look like? I know we all make excuses. Sometimes we can be a roller coaster, right, when it comes to our prayer rhythm. What excuses? Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you feel too tired, maybe you feel distracted, maybe you feel too prideful. I don't know what it is. But listen to this quote of prayer by Tim Keller who went to be with Jesus this week. He was a great scholar, wrote many, many great books, and here's what he wrote on prayer. He said, prayer is the only entryway into a genuine self-knowledge. It, also, it is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things He has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we must desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. It's good. Find the time, find the place. Now, the scriptures say that we're to be, you know, pray without ceasing. And on-the-go prayers are great. I have on-the-go prayers all the time. It's like getting get in the car, you're driving here, whatever, on-the-go prayers. But here's my opinion. It's my opinion. On-the-go prayers are not enough. You've got to set a time and a place. And I truly believe it was the rhythm of Daniel's prayer life that allowed him to face the giants. You got to have a rhythm and a place that you show up to and meet God on a regular basis with Him so that it builds the spiritual muscle in you so that you can face the lions that are coming in your life. Beyond the, the goes, I don't think are enough. You got to build that muscle. You got to go to that space and that time and that place and show up to that appointment with God even when you don't feel like it, because it's in those moments that grow your endurance, that grow your strength to prepare you for the lions that you'll face. Where's your place? What's your time? If you haven't gotten there in a while, then restart. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Find a rhythm and get back into it. And it goes like this, keeps going. Let's just here, here's what happened. So then they came near, and they said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, that they should be cast into the lion's den? That's called sarcasm, I'm sensing a little bit. The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked, which is true. If a king wrote it down in Persian law, not even the king could erase and and redo what he wrote down. Then they answered and said, well, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, and the injunction that you have signed, but instead he's praying three times a day. Then the king, when he heard this, most likely was realizing that these guys were tricking him and trapping him now, And he was filled with much distress and set in his mind figuring out, how could I deliver Daniel? And it says that he labored till sun went down to figure out a way to get out of this. He got tricked. He got trapped. And then watch this. Then these tricksters, they came to the king and they said, O king, know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. And I got to imagine he's just probably like, would you get the heck out of here? I got to imagine the frustration in Darius' heart and his mind and his tone. But he was stuck. And so here's what happens the king commanded, and Daniel was brought, and he was cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Now, many of you in this room know the outcome of the situation, but I need you to pretend for a moment that you don't know the outcome. Imagine Daniel has now been thrown into this wild cat den with ferocious, hungry lions that are roaring, just roaring loud. Just imagine that. They're just literally roaring For all you kids, I'm sorry I scared you. For all the adults that I woke up, I'm not sorry. Wake up. I know that's cheesy, but that's my middle name. But here's the deal. I've never been face-to-face or near a lion, but I have friends that have. And when has anyone been near a lion who's roared and you're right there and there's no protection? It will, I mean, they say it'll just take you to the core. I mean, it'll just leave you just in shock, the power of those lions. What do we see here? We see Daniel. We talked a little bit about this last week. He's he's showing us an unbelievable display of being faithful in fear. What is he showing us? He's, He's showing us the importance of that he is fearing more an eternal king than some earthly king. That he fears more an eternal, sovereign lord than pain of being shredded by lions. I don't know what you fear today. Maybe you're fearing your health. Maybe you're fearing something with your kids. Maybe you're fearing something financially. Maybe you're fearing some chaos in the world that's hard for you even to turn on the news anymore. But here's something that is so important that we see Daniel model, and it's something that I've tried to model, and it's really helped. It's simple, but it helps. It's just called a shift. One of the things that I fear, I don't fear death, but I fear the pain of death. Even, like, I get this medical anxiety. It just comes upon me when I do hospital visits. i got to, like, work myself up, and then I've passed out many times. So if I ever come to the hospital for you, I hope I don't ever have to. But if I do, and you wonder, man, he's looking white, or I'm on the ground, and they put me in a bed next to you, I warned you, okay? Um, But I'm in my car, you know, just before, and I'm praying, and I, I literally, I'm doing a shift. I'm taking the fear, and I'm shifting it onto the Father. Because there's a healthy, reverent fear of the Lord that is so important for all of us to have. And if you don't have a fear of the creator of the universe, that should concern you. You should fear. Because you have to remember, God is incredibly awesome and loving and grace-filled, but he is also the God of judgment. And he is holy. He is just. He will not compromise his nature of his faithfulness. He literally holds the entire world in the palm of his hands. And so whatever we fear here on earth, if we shift that on to our father and have that reverent fear of who he is, what does it do? It shrinks the other fears. It helps me so much. When things are out of control and I feel like the chaos is spinning and the fear is going everywhere, I just make a shift And I put my fear upon the Father to shrink the fear that's right in front of me. Try it. Write down your fear and then shift it onto the fear of the Lord. Practice it. I'm telling you, it works. It works. 17. So, again, pretend if you've read this before, pretend like you've never read it. Pretend it's your first time, okay? And so Daniel's in the lion's den. And after they threw him in the lion's then it says that a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And then it says that a king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. He was restless. He was up all night. And then it says at the break of day, the king arose and he went in haste. He's running off to the den of lion's. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, it says that he cried out in a tone of anguish. He yells out, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lion's den? And then I just imagine the silence. And then an 85-year-old man speaks up. O oh, king, Live forever. I, I, I bet you that phrase was stuck in Darius' mind until the day he died. O King, live forever. Then it says, My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. This angel in the language is messenger, and many wonder if that was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. O king, I have done no harm. Then it says, Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. We have been talking about all morning about how we can be more faithful in areas. But the reason why we can truly be more faithful in in areas is because of the faithfulness of our God, who is a great deliverer that our God, the great deliverer, can literally get us out and help us escape any lion's den that comes our way. He is the forever faithful God that we can trust in, that whatever happens in our lives, that he will work out for his purpose and his glory on either this side of heaven or the other side of heaven. Now, normally if you hear a message on Daniel chapter 6, this is maybe where the pastor will kind of close and pray and we will move on. And I understand why, but there's more to the story. And I want you to hear the rest of the story that maybe you haven't heard before. And so here's the rest of the story. So it says that uh, the king commanded that the men who had maliciously accused Daniel that they were brought and cast into the den of lions. But not only them, but their children and their wives. Let that sink in. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. A horrific Sound and sight to imagine. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples and the nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. And he said, peace be multiplied to you. Almost like let this be a lesson. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. I want to pause there. Again, I said it earlier, but if you do not fear or tremble the great God almighty of who he is... You should be concerned. You should have a healthy fear of the Lord. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. It continues. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So the Daniel, this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Here's two things. Wow, this seems harsh, right? These poor innocent children and women. But what it reminds us of is how if we are unfaithful, the seriousness of our unfaithfulness and how it impacts those around us. These men that tried to pull this off, they knew better. You see, in Persian law, if you mess with a king, it's in the law, in the Persian law, that if you messed with a king, not only you would be destroyed, but your family would be destroyed as well. And they knew that, and they did it anyways. There were consequences, because if there's no consequences, then there's no order. And so this was the Persian order. That was the decree. Reminding us that when we're unfaithful, it affects those around us in very, very damaging ways. The other thing that this reminds us of is that God is not only faithful to deliver, but he's also faithful to destroy. And I know that doesn't sound good, and I know that doesn't feel good, but it's the truth. God's patience has run out in the past, and it will run out again. But from the very beginning of time, he's been always making a way to deliver us. Time and time again, he has been so long suffering in his patience for us. He's a God of love. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. But he can't compromise who he is. And so the problem is, is every single one of us in this room have a sin problem that is on us. And for the wages of one sin equals death. And separation from God because he can't have anything to do because he is so holy. He can't compromise that. But from the very beginning of time, he has made a way to deliver every single one of us from that. Even in this story, there's the parallels of Jesus in here. It's unbelievable. Let me just give you a couple parallels that we saw as we just read. Think about this for a moment. Just like Daniel, Jesus was thrown into a den but not into a den of lions, but in the den or the pit of the cross. And just like Daniel, a stone was rolled in front of the lion's den, just like a stone was rolled in front of the tomb to seal the tomb of Jesus Christ after he was crucified. And just like Daniel, there was the government seal that was placed on the tomb so that no one could get in or no one could get out. And just like Daniel, there was a political ruler who thought Jesus was innocent and didn't want him to die, just like Darius didn't want Daniel to die. And just like Daniel, Jesus was delivered, but not just from the mouths of lions, but from the mouth of death, conquering death once and for all, by rising again three days later that would then conquer death for every single one of us so that you and I could be delivered. Only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. He's been setting it up from the very beginning of time. You can't make this up. And guess what? We're all real lucky because we are living in the grace age. We are living in the grace age. You are living in the grace age. He's delivered you by dying and rising again for you. And he made it really clear, for you to be delivered is to call upon his name and he will save you from your sin, from all your mess, from all your junk, but you gotta humble yourself and make Jesus your God. Have you allowed Jesus to deliver you? If you haven't, then let this be the day. So I'm just gonna ask us all to just bow our heads and close our eyes. And maybe that's you. You just say, you know what, Travis? I have never allowed God to deliver me from my sin, from my mess. I don't understand it all, but today I want to believe. I want to put my faith in Jesus today. I want him to deliver me. And so if that's you, I want to lead you in a real conversation just between you and God. Just make this your own. Just say, Father, here I am. I'm done running from you. I feel you right now running after me. So I'm asking you to deliver me. Save me from my sin. Just say that, save me from my sin. Deliver me from the mouth of death. Deliver me from the mouth of death. And then just say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. Right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be my king, my forever king, my faithful king as we continue to pray, if you really meant that, then you don't ever have to worry again. You never have to question again that you will no longer spend eternity in the mouth of death, but now you'll spend eternity in paradise with your creator God who loves you so, so much. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your deliverance. Thank you that we can have faith that can Get us through any lion that we face. Thank you for standing with us in anything that we face. We love you. We need you. We pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Can we please just uh, give it up for those who put their faith in Jesus today for the first time? If you, if you made that decision... Please don't walk alone. Let someone know that you came with or you can text the word there on the screen and, and we'd love to just uh, celebrate with you. There's, there's a party that says that there's angels celebrating this decision of your deliverance today. So we want to celebrate with you and then help you along the journey. That's our vision, helping people move towards God.